You're listening to Between Two Ravens, a Norse mythology podcast with Sean and David. Hey, Sean, how's it going? David, it's going great. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing good. I've been a little under the weather and my voice is still just a little bit off, I think. But uh, yeah, we're changing up our recording schedule, so I had some time to recover. But otherwise, I'm doing I'm doing good today. Yeah, no, definitely. I know we, we um, for like the past almost year now, which is crazy to say, like I know we've been recording on Friday nights. No, excuse me. We've been recording on Wednesday nights um, a majority of the time. But since we started publishing our episodes on Monday and not Friday, just to give us the weekend to edit, like it's kind of liberating to have um, more of a, like a, like lax schedule. And so like, t- I think this is the first time that you and I are recording on Saturday, oh, yeah. um, but I could be wrong, but no, we definitely put a lot of uh, pressure on ourselves that we probably don't have to, to be a uh, exceptional, uh, providing exceptional content for the fans, but that uh, we always recorded on Wotan Wednesday and now we've shifted it to, to Thursday most of the time. Uh, <laughs> Can't remember what yeah, Saturday is for. Yeah, I th- it's Saturn Day. Yeah, I believe that's uh, the Roman oh, god. Good yeah, catch. good catch. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, outside of that, everything's everything's good. Uh, we've been back from our trip for three weeks, and we're already back into the point. Uh, my and we're as in my wife and I, Beth. Uh, we're already at the point where we hate our jobs again. No, I'm just kidding. We don't. We don't hate our jobs. It's just we have the typical day to day work. Uh, um, you know, stress, like stressful situations. And of course I'm a food critic in Italy. Yeah. It's not, not the point. Yeah, it's exactly. And of course I'm trying to backtrack what I initially said just now, because I'm pretty sure some of my coworkers do uh, listen to this podcast. Um, But no, I love my job, but it's just, it's a job. So compared to traveling in Europe, that's not good. Yes, definitely. The one thing I, I keep forgetting to mention, I mentioned it in this little short episode I did, but this idea that we have a very fun idea for the fans. We're going to do a fireside chat at the end of the year, kind of our one year anniversary doing this podcast for a year. Sean's going to read a myth or do something by the fireside. We're going to kind of record a little episode there and then just to have time to like talk with fans and ask questions or just talk about Norse mythology. Um, we'll, we'll release more details as we go. But my plan for this is that, you know, anybody's invited. All you got to do is send us five bucks. So you can send it through Venmo. There's a thing on our website or the, that I have a Patreon for Prosoke project. That counts too. If you just sign up for one month there, see what I'm doing over there. You'll get the link to join the discord to uh, get the invite to the fireside chat. So anyone who's interested, you know, easy way to message us is a uh, private messages on Twitter. And the other, wh- why are we asking for five bucks is because we're buying drinking horns so that Sean and I have matching Viking drinking horns with a, you know, with a Raven on each for Hugin and Munin. And that's the thing we need because we're one year official, uh, Norse mythology podcast hosts. So you can help us with that, or we'll just ask our family to get that for us for a Christmas present. But. Yeah. Thanks, David. I didn't realize I was going to be doing actual work for the podcast in front of the fire. I thought it was going to be, there'd be a camera on me. I'd be drinking and doing my like old, my, my stupid, like a uh, bridge troll troll voice um, that I, <laughs> that I use for the, for every time I do Odin, but uh, thanks for that. You just have to read out of a book, Sean. That's all. Yeah. So it's, no, you yeah. don't have to write anything. No, definitely. I always sound I like every every time I do the voice for Odin, I sound like the uh, the weird dude from a uh, Money Python and the Holy Grail. It's yeah, like, oh, you just, can cross this bridge, but and then like, <laughs> and I'll I'll be helping you too. I just won't, no, I don't think I'll have a fireside I can record in front of, but I'll do all the uh, all the DJ stuff of uh, letting people into the video chat, etc. So. Oh, awesome. Well, yeah, I guess it's it's a big deal now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just entertainment. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So I guess we can go ahead and get yeah. started then. So in Locusena Part 1, David and I discussed stanzas 
uh, 1 through 28 of the poem, which is found in the Poetic Edda. Before the events of the poem, keep in mind that Loki was pretty much raped by a horse due to threats from the gods, um, which ultimately resulted in him giving birth to Odin's horse, Sleipnir. Then his other children, Hel, Jormungandr, and Fenrir, were either banished or imprisoned also by the gods. Loki then orchestrates the death of Baldur, who is the pride of the Aesir, or was the pride of the Aesir, and he was also the son of Odin and Frigg. So needless to say, tensions have been getting pretty heavy between Loki and the rest of the Aesir for some time now, and that's what we've been discussing over the last couple months. So then when we discussed uh, stanzas 1 through 28 for part 1 of Lokasena, where the gods, um, Loki included, they were feasting in Aegir's hall only for Loki to get drunk and kill a servant. After being banished from the party for killing said servant, he decides to come back anyway and use the opportunity to begin insulting the gods, often calling them out on their bullshit and hypocrisy, but more often than not, just calling the women whores. So Loki insults Brad. And, and Odin a pervert. Okay. Yeah. yeah, he calls Odin a pervert, um, which Odin also called Loki a pervert. So Loki insults Bragi, his wife Edun, um, as in Bragi's wife Edun, the goddess Gefhun and Odin. And then when Odin's wife Frigg steps in and states that Baldur, her son, would never tolerate Loki's insults and drunkenness, Loki states that he himself is the reason he would never be able to do anything about it anyway, because Loki had Baldur killed. So Loki, as we will find out in part two of Lokasana, which is this week's episode, was not done there as he had many more gods that he wanted to insult. And I did want to make a quick correction from part one. Um, as the story was found, as Locusena is found in the Poetic Edda and not mentioned in Gilfaganine of the Prose Edda, David and I discussed the possibility that Snorri maybe was not aware of the story. However, that was an error on my part because Snorri did note it briefly in Scott Skoppermal, which is a later section of the Prose Edda, on a chapter discussing Aegir, and as mentioned, Aegir is the host of this party. So Snorri, for whatever reason, didn't mention it directly as one of the main events that led to Loki's capture in Ragnarok, which he did in Gulfaganin. And that's where, yeah, because I think that was my my comment being like, did Snorri not know about this? Because it seems like such a, it's such a good story to include. That clearly, he did have access to that. He included it in other places. Why he leaves it out is strange to me, but I'd, I'd have to go listen to what I said last week again to remember why that was significant, but. Well, it, it is it is weird that he kept it. He 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 like briefly mentions it in Scald Scoppermall, like in an episode, like in that that chapter on Aegir. But he, so I guess the best way to say this is in Gilfaganine after Loki kills Boulder, that chapter sort of ends with um, the gods going after Loki and capturing him. However, at the end of this poem, which we know this, the events of this poem took place after uh, Boulder died. The end of this poem, and we'll get to this in part three, it says the gods were pissed off that Loki crashed this party, so they went after and, and captured him. So it all leads to the same place um, of Loki being captured. But for some reason, Snorri knew about this um, this party, but he did not include it in like the lead up to Ragnarok and Loki's capture. So it's it's just but very interesting to me. Uh, but yeah. Snorri's probably a little bit a little bit prudish, and he's not a big fan of talking about all the uh, the horrors and perverts. I think might be his reason to to leave it out. Yes, definitely. Um, so anyway, this week we're going to be doing part two of Locusena. It's going to be stanzas 29 through 46. And then next week we are going to wrap up the poem with stanzas 47 through 65. David, how's that sound? Sounds good. Yeah. And is, does that uh, next week include, there's like a, 
they call it like a prose text at the end, right? Where it's not the typical oh, yeah. poem, but it's the way the author kind of wrapped it all up. And that really connects us into the uh, the next parts of them. Yeah. Going after Loki. Yes, definitely. Um, cool. So we can get started. So keep in mind at the end of last week's episode, Loki just got done reminding slash informing Frigg that he is the reason Balder will never enter Aegir's Hall again, as I mentioned, because he had him killed. So starting with Sansa's uh, 29, Freya decides to step in. Freya then points out that Loki is mad to boast of killing Boulder because Frigg also knows the fates of men. And I wanted to, I thought this was funny because in last week's episode, or part one, excuse me, Odin defended Gefhune by saying that she knows the fates of men. So it seems to be a trend here with a couple of the goddesses. It's a strange defense, right? Like, you know, Loki, you can't insult her. She knows the fates of men, right? But then it's, and we don't know very much about Gefhune, but it seems like both Frigg and Freya have these, you know, kind of being seeresses, knowing the fates. It seems like almost all the goddesses do. Um, but I mean, certainly, yeah, like you wouldn't want to piss off or insult the Norns, the, you know, the weavers mm-hmm. of fate. So yeah, definitely. And it's like, I think just like if, if somebody knows your fate, like they know a lot more about you than you ever will until it happens. And like, if they, if they know when you're going to die or something, which I think a lot of the gods do anyway, because of Ragnarok, but like, that's something that's like, okay, this person knows like everything about me. So like, why would I, why would I insult them type of thing? But anyway, Loki then accuses Freya of being a whore. As I mentioned, he is one to do. He, and he mentions that she has been with every God and elf in the hall. And I don't know if we drew attention to this last week, but I know we have in previous episodes. This is where the elves are with the gods. And I think the elves can be like looked at as maybe the servants of the gods. If, um, if they're not their equals, which I would assume they're not. Probably not quite equals, but yeah, there's maybe sometimes they're the servants and then sometimes they're just, um, I don't know, they're honored guests. They're not as powerful as a god, but they're yeah, these great beings of good or something, at least my way of taking it. Yeah, definitely. So Freya then accuses Loki of lying. So she denies this claim, but then, and she states that his words will have consequences and that he will remain friendless and that he has tested their anger, their anger being the gods. And this was, this was the way it was uh, written in one of the versions I kept going back and forth between Larrington's newer version and this real old version that also had some old Norse uh, trans, uh, translations of it or showed the original old Norse. But um, so the Freya says back to Loki, false is your tongue. I think that soon it will chant out disaster for you. And that she knows the future, right? She knows that's, that's what it's going to do. Yeah, no, definitely. And uh, was this uh, Larrington's or was it from Volspa.com? I think it's the Volspa.com. I should figure out who, because I think it's like an 1800s translation they use. But I... Gotcha. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely make sure to include um, the links to this translation in the show notes. Yeah. So then Loki accuses Freya of being a witch who will lay with her brother, or who laid with her brother, as in had sex with her brother while she farted. Yeah, that, that it's in every translation. <laughs> it really stands out. That uh, My favorite one of all the different translations was, he says, you know, that uh, Freya's a witch and she laid with her brother when Freya, her wind is set free. <laughs> this one. I think that's so funny. I hope that's from the 1800s. Like, I hope they, that people like said that to each other in the 1800s. Like, yeah, well, your wind was set free, bro. No, the most, the most graceful way to say it. Right. And that, um, I think the modern translation, it was that she stood gently and then Freya farted, which, uh, is actually great to see the old Norse. So it's, a at least one version there is, uh, let's see. Okay, Mindir, Fu Tha, Freya, Frata. So, yeah, trying to. Lovely. Uh, 
how do you take the old Norse and turn it into English? It fits pretty well, I think. Yeah, definitely. So Loki decides that the insult for Freya is that she's a witch and that she had sex with her brother while farting. I don't know why he included that part, but and I guess another level of embarrassment. I, mean, this, I, I, this, I just love this that. Is this is a family show, so that's where I'm like, I'm not sure if it's farting or something else, but I'm just going to leave it at that. Our episodes are explicit. I th- at least I hope that's where <laughs> I hope we set them to that. Um, but yeah, just her win set free. I just love, but anyway, that, like her brother obviously is most certainly Frey. So, like David, I see you have a note here about from Larrington. The Larrington, yeah, kind of indicates, and we'll t- we'll come back to this because it's apparently it's a Vanir thing. This sleeping with siblings, maybe this especially among the uh, the uh, the royalty. I think you make a reference in here to uh, the the Targaryens and the uh, Lannisters. Oh yeah, that because uh, I think I mentioned this before, and it seemed like a strange connection, but that that Njord's wife is a powerful sorceress and an earth goddess. That I think she's Nerthus, who is talked about in Tacitus. There's actually, if you read enough on the internet, there's some scholars that agree that maybe the name. So Nerthus and Nordf, the names are kind of similar. And whether it was this sort of a, you know, like a hermaphroditic male and female being, or whether it was a sibling pair or something, um, that they were probably a sibling pair, much like Freya and Freyr are, uh, Njord and Nerthus. So that's, uh, yep, some history as well. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I, I think that's interesting. I think I have a couple notes a little bit later as well, but... I, I, I it kind of like skipped my mind that or like I didn't remember that like Njord had um, birthed uh, Freya and Freya with an unnamed sister before he married Skadi. So like yeah. it, it kind of it definitely runs in the family, and that's where I made that connection with the Targaryens because um, I'm not sure if anybody yeah. has watched House of the Dragon like but or like been a fan of A Song of Ice and Fire for a long time. But like the Targaryen family, they wanted to keep the blood, bloodline pure. They had sex with their siblings. And it was a thing. It's a, it's a thing that, you know, the, the royalty in some parts of Europe, it was a thing they would do, right? Keep the bloodline pure, that the Vikings were not were not into this idea, right? So that's something, uh, I think, probably historical as well. As which is why it would mythology. be a, uh, it, which is why it would be an insult, I guess, if Loki's saying it. But um, yeah, I'm pretty sure the actual family that you're thinking of is the Habsburgs. Um, they, they were actually a very successful, like, medieval house. Um, but, like, it was well known that they like had some uh, messed up individuals in their family just because yeah. of the incest. But was there there's something I saw on Twitter this week that was, I want to say it was a real thing. I just read it on Twitter, but that some politician was being like, you know, basically sleeping with your sister. It's only bad if you do it for three generations. What's the problem with once? And I'm like, Oh geez, this is still uh, a modern issue. Apparently. That sounds about right. But then again, like this is, it's, it, this is a modern issue because like if in like rest in peace, like if you look at queen Elizabeth, the second, um, I, I know I mentioned the YouTuber useful charts. First of all, I think like Prince Philip was her like second cousin or something or her cousin that she married. But like, she also is somewhat related to every Royal family, like for all the current monarchs that are still present in Europe. And I, I don't think there's that many of them. I think there's like, a, I want to say like Spain, England, Denmark, Norway, Sweden, uh, like Luxembourg, like I could be wrong, but like there's like a few, there's like a bunch of like royal houses that are still in power that are all kind of related to each other. But anyway, it's it's a, it's a royal thing. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, oh, also I wanted to make a note here that Snorri also mentions incest um, of Njorth and his unnamed sister, and Frey and Freyr or Freya, Freya and Frey in a Yingling saga, which I mentioned pre, uh, last week as well from his book Hemskringla. So I just wanted to mention that really quick. Yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, confirmation that this is 
not just made up in one place. It's not just Loki doing an insult, right? He's speaking truth. Yeah, yeah definitely. So then uh, New Earth, as, as mentioned, Frey and Freya's father, then steps in and says that it doesn't matter who somebody lays with. Note that he doesn't deny that Frey and Freya, his kids, had sex with each other. But he then mentions that Loki has no room to speak since he himself bore a child, that child being Sleipnir, Odin's horse. And I thought this was interesting. And I know, David, like you you did an episode on my comments about Loki being raped um, by Svadalfari to give birth to Sleipnir. If it's Loki was raped... Yeah, it was an interesting concept, right? Because he was coerced into seducing a horse. So, yeah, that's not consensual, right? I mean, I think that's uh, yeah clear, right? So, the question of how how dark do you take it, right? Do you use the word rape, or is it kind of like because the other trickster archetype? One of them is uh, Bugs Bunny, right? So, Bugs Bunny dressing up as an attractive yeah. woman and seducing somebody—that's that's the thing they Elmer do. Fudd, yeah. That that there's a darker uh, you know connotation under there, right? I, I think that's completely accurate. So, yeah. yeah. But so if, like, let's say Loki was raped, which I personally think he was, um, just because he was kind of coerced into doing that, this is a very harsh insult um, on New Earth's part, because he potentially, like, this is, it ultimately is going to get Loki even more wound up, like, more pissed off at the gods. But- bringing, up, bringing up this really hurtful thing, but I, but I think also it's just, and maybe it also is then that working on many levels, right? Just the fact of Loki being unmanly, right? Being, in a feminine way, giving birth to a child, Right that to the Norse, that's the worst thing, right? It's so much worse than we consider it in our culture even now. So that's, uh, yeah, they're definitely um, trying to, you know, there's a few of them that actually can kind of have a zinger back at Loki, right? For the most part, Loki outsmarts most of them. But, yeah. yeah. So then Loki comes back at Neorth and says that he, he, he says that he was sent as a hostage for the gods, which as we discussed in our episode on the Aesir Vanner war aftermath, where they exchanged uh, hostages with one another, but then he weirdly states that the daughters of Hymir also pissed in his mouth. Yeah, it's definitely not a family show, right, Sean? Yeah, no, trying, like but, yeah. he's he's attacking Freya for farting while having sex, and now he's attacking Freya's father in Yorth for what could potentially be a golden shower fetish. I don't know. We, we can see why uh, Snorri was a little bit uh, yeah, embarrassed and shy on this one, right? But so the, the way it was worded in uh, one of the translations says, be silent, Njord, you were sent from here eastward as a hostage to the gods. The daughters of Hymir used you as a piss pot and pissed in your mouth. And then Njord the says... The word piss pot's funny. I don't know. Yeah. Piss pot. No, and, and, but then Njord says in response, that was my comfort when I, from far away, was sent as a hostage to the gods, that I fathered a son who no one hates and is thought the protector of the Aesir. So my real question is, when he says that was my comfort, was that being sent to the Aesir or was that being pissed on? Uh, you can certainly read that both ways. Yeah, I think it's more so him being sent to the Aesir because he like had a good life and it kind of like bridged the two tribes, I guess, between the Aesir and the Vanir. But like, it is like a little, I don't know, it's a little fuzzy. And it's like, you could look at, yeah. And that, that's like also something that like happened on like Crawford's translation. But like, that would be interesting and kind of funny if he's like, yeah, well, you know what? Getting peed on is great at the end of the day for me. And <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah, fuck off. Like, I'm going to do what I want. I'm not hurting anybody. So that, uh, and so then I think this was the older translation. It says, so this goes back to more, how is it really written in the old Norse, um, in English and the daughters of Hymir, their privy had when use they did make of thy mouth. So it doesn't actually say that they pissed in his mouth. They said they, uh, they used him as a toilet 
and they made use of his mouth. And um, yes, so in, in Old Norse, if you really want to know that one, it's Oak Fair E Moon Migu, I believe. <laughs> there we go. I can't wait till they hi- like you actually learn Old Norse and then they hire you for like the uh, Duolingo version of it. And like those are the examples that, <laughs> that you, oh, yeah. they use. The and it's just all- yeah, these are the best uh, phrases we have in Old Norse. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, um, so, one yeah, other good, weird thing in there that I noted was just when it says that he says, you know, his son is Freyr, who nobody hates, and he's the protector of the Aesir. I'm like, wait, since when is Freyr the protector of the Aesir, right? Like, Thor is, clearly. They talk about Baldur being sometimes, but he doesn't really seem like. And now Freyr is, yeah, you know, that he's the protector of Alfheim, right? So I don't know. Do you know anything else that supports Freyr being the protector of the Aesir? Uh, I don't, actually. Other than but later he... they bring up his sword, but not, yeah, not really anywhere else I know of. Yeah, I mean, I think like like it's one of those things where if you're reading a story or something, like whoever the main character is to prop it up, to prop that person up, they're going to be like, oh, and this god was the most beautiful of all the gods and the most powerful of all the gods. And it could just be like, that's what, first of all, uh, Newer thinks of his son. Um, but like maybe, you know, maybe it's also just like something that changed within like 500 years um, over like time and distance of this religion where, you know, some people may have worshipped Frey type of thing, so. Yeah, and then the other thing, too, uh, from Larrington's notes to try to bring into context uh, why are they doing a a Golden Showers reference here, but it's actually a really wonderful play on words that Hymir's daughters might be the seven mighty rivers that flow into the sea, so that Njord is the god of the sea, and there are seven mighty rivers Mm. that uh, drain water onto him. Yeah. (laughs) I like it. So it's like if, uh, like, Thor's mother is the earth, and like you, you take your dog out for a walk and your dog shits on the earth. Yeah. Loki could have told Thor, yeah, well, your mother is a, a like also a toilet. Yeah. And a plowing like metaphors. That. And there's all kinds of wonderful ways to take that. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah, here, here's where I get to the note. I, it's on the page right here. Maybe North is into golden showers and uh, maybe the Vanir culture is more of a fetishized version version of the Targaryens from the Song of Ice and Fire. And that, and that we already established Loki as the god of uh, of kink of BDSM uh, sadomasochism, right? That uh, him and Skadi, yeah, there's something going on there. And, uh, yes, and Yord's the god. It's 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 all there. It's all there in the text. Also, real quick, Hymir was the giant who fished with Thor in the Poetic Edda version of his fishing trip. And as you wrote, note the cauldron. Is that the uh, cauldron slash piss pot um, reference? Oh, oh, crap. I guess I I should have elaborated on that. No, the cauldron, um, the reason why I included that there, and I I should have mentioned this when we did part one. So in Crawford's translation of the Poetic Edda, they mentioned that once Aegir got this cauldron and had this party, the one that like Loki's crashing, it mentions the previously mentioned cauldron. So the cauldron from Hinsvida, which is yeah. Thor's fishing trip is what ultimately Thor and Tyr were trying to get to bring back to Aegir for the party. So I, I put note the cauldron there just because it's kind of like some consistency in the the timeline of the poetic era, if that makes sense. Yeah. But so, yeah, if it's, it's also, also the piss pot, that's funny too. But I think there's more more plays on words, yeah. But but it also reminds me of uh, Odin and his getting the mead of poetry, and they really emphasize this cauldron of mead that he gets, right? So that's they're different stories, but telling the same kind of story. I think. Yeah. The cauldron significant. I don't know why they made the mead of the mead of poetry in a spit pot because people spit in it. But yes, yes. anyway, that was that's the extent of that's the extent of my jokes in life. So thanks everyone, or you're welcome, everyone. 
so anyway, Loki then states that Frey is a product of incest between him and his sister. Um, so he already said this to Freya, and now he's saying it to Njord, their father. So then this is where Tyr comes in. He steps in and states that Frey is the best of all the gods in Asgard. And so, David, this is interesting because now Tyr and Njord are saying it about Frey. Yeah. And the, he also states that he respects women, which I, I thought that was a weird addition. But the way, the way they word it is that he makes no girl cry nor any man's wife and looses each man from captivity. But thinking about what that means. So one translation is that he respects women, but another one is that he, he doesn't make any girls cry. He doesn't make any man's wife cry. If we take it me- metaphorically, right, that Frey is the, the lover god, right, it's that aspect in every husband when they're the lover you know, the lover makes their wife happy, doesn't make them cry, right? So I think that's maybe a play on words and that it looses a man from captivity, right? Let's him be free to be the lover rather than to be the strong hero, stoic kind of thing, right? Um, I think that's the play on words there, but I don't know. Gotcha. And I did want to make a note here that the the poem that we have not discussed yet, one of the poems we haven't discussed yet involving the gods and the poetic edit is called First Skierness. And David, I know you mentioned that um, you're looking forward to doing this episode because you want to do an episode on Frey, which I think we're going to be yeah. doing in the next month or so. Um, so in Four Skierness, he's like this, uh, he's like this romantic lover who gets a little sinister because he, his advances towards this woman are like not acknowledged kind of thing. Or maybe he just is like lusting over this, like being, and then he like really just wants to do whatever he can to get her. If that makes oh, sense. I'll, so I'll mostly leave it for the, when we do that episode on it, but <clears throat> a very short kind of introduction to it is that the lover archetype is, it's kind of, you know, like a very, you know, uh, a Don Juan, a very romantic man who's, uh, you know, seductive, but it's also kind of the boy, like the boy who's not even yet a, you know, kind of a teenager, not even yet a man who doesn't really know how to be a man. And he wants a woman to care for him, to take care of him is kind of like the, the lover archetype separated from the rest of the masculine archetypes. So the tear has to come in for his and stand up for him kind of fits that, that the lover is kind of like a child, not entirely, uh, strong and manly like the norse sure yeah definitely so anyway then loki goes after tear because tear stepped in and this is what loki's doing he goes after tear by mocking his lack of a right hand due to his son fenrir biting it off which we discussed in a previous episode yeah and i I spent a little bit of time on this line because it's one of my favorites because somewhere else I had read about this, that the old Norse here is very significant uh, as the way they, what, what are they mocking him for exactly? So one, one way in uh, Larrington's translation, be silent, tear, you could never deal straight between two people. Your right hand, I must point out, is the one which Fenrir tore from you. And it's kind of like, this, you can't deal straight with people, but what does that have to do with, you know, it's because of his hand, but then when you break it down to what, how it was actually written in the old Norse more, it's uh, that... It's something about a balance. You could never hold the scales of balance between two people. So let me let me try to read it in the Old Norse, and I'll, then I'll translate it to show what it is. And these aren't actually the translations in Old Norse. When I put it in Google, it's the the Icelandic. The words are similar enough, but they're not the same. So uh, you know that's that's the best I'm, I am at. A- Wait, is is that what you've been doing the whole time? I thought you've been like reading it in Old Norse. Well, you read the Old Norse, but then when you put that in Google Translate, it comes up with Icelandic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I get a word that I'm like, it's pretty much that word, but that's modern Icelandic word. It might not be the same, but so we'll see how it kind of works out that way. Gotcha. It's, you really have to take a poetic interpretation to it, I think, is the way to say that. But it's Tyr Thu Kunir Aldregi Bera Tilt 
med to vem. So thu is you. So thu kunir. Aldraki is you never knew. So you knew never. And then the next line, bira tilt med is how to bear the tilt between. And then to vem is balance. So to bear the tilt between and balance, right? It's just the words don't really fit in English, right? But when you try to read between the lines of what it's saying, you could never settle the score, right? Keep the balance between two people is um, the way to take that. So there's somewhere else I read that before, and I can't remember where now, probably John Lindau, actually. So it's that you really have to kind of take a poetic way of how to, you know, deal straight between two people. Or you think of like the, the, uh, lady justice with the scales of justice, right? That that's something Tyr would do, but if he only has one hand, he can't balance. Gotcha. Can it make sense? Yeah. No, no, it does. I was, I was wondering where you were going with that towards the end. I was going to ask you to explain it like I'm five or three, but, but that's, that's the idea is that, uh, it's a, it's a very much a play on words, right? It's that Tyr is supposed to be able to mediate disputes, but, but he's literally off balance because he doesn't have a right hand. And, and, and the word for how do you, how you say that, you can, you can say that by saying to keep a balance between people or to settle, right? You can't settle the balance or settle the scores in our modern English would be a way to say it, right? With only one hand. So it's, yeah, it's, it's very poetic play on words there. That, uh, but we can kind of bring it into our English still. It's hard to find it, I think. Yeah, definitely. So moving forward, Tyr then acknowledges his hand because he obviously knows he doesn't have a right hand but states that Loki lost his son as he will be in chains all the way up to Ragnarok. And he's obviously speaking about Fenrir. So then Loki, and I'm also very proud of this joke, which is not really a joke. Loki then pulls a George Costanza and says, yeah, well, I slept with your wife. (laughs) And then he claims that his wife, uh, Tyr's wife, sired a son from Loki. And, And it's actually even better if you look at at least some of the translations, it says, Loki's saying that he slept with his wife and never had to pay for it, actually. So, so he is also saying that your wife's a whore, but yeah. I didn't have to pay for her. Yeah, it's <laughs> ugly. It's ugly between these guys. Yeah. So then Frey steps in, and obviously Frey has been um, kind of attacked twice on two different occasions already in this in this uh, story. Frey steps in and then states that if Loki doesn't shut the fuck up, he will be the next to be chained up. Loki then turns his attention to Frey and accuses him of needing to pay money to buy his bride, and that he gave up his sword, and I put a note here, maybe that was the payment, in doing so. He stated, because of this, Frey would not be able to fight at Ragnarok. And so this is interesting. Yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead. This is interesting to me, but... We know for sure if there is any story that kind of explains how Frey had to pay something for a woman. I I think there's a story somewhere that... Well, yeah, and for in that story that like we're going to discuss, Fear Skinnis, like he didn't have to pay. He, I think, he, yeah, he did. He like gave up his sword. It maybe it was for um his bride that he like kind of had his uh, buddy Skinnis like forced to come over. But we can, yeah, yeah we're going to unpack that for that that uh, in a later episode. But I would think it's kind of like Thor losing his hammer, right? We had the myth about yeah, when Thor loses his hammer, right? That that Freyr lost his sword. That's the same uh, same kind of issue. Yeah, definitely, and. That also, I just like this, uh, another reference to Lord of the Rings, that the way Loki says this is, uh, you know, that he won't be ready for Ragnarok. The way it's said is, when Muspel's sons ride over Mirkwood, you don't know then, wretch, how you'll fight. So that it's the, that the Old Norse is very simple, and that it's the way they take it into English is so many ways, right? That, you know, is it that he, he won't have his sword, or that you won't know how you're going to fight then? Or another version is, uh, 
thou shall weaponless wait, you poor wretch. The uh, the old Norse word for it is a vessel, or is very much like a vassal, so a uh, a peasant. Basically, he's saying if you don't have a sword, you're not a knight; you're a peasant. Is, yeah, uh, the things you get out of the old Norse you don't get otherwise. And uh, one thing I just noticed as I did several of these paragraphs in a row that there's one old Norse word for to know, which is kunner, which is like knowledge, but they use this phrase vietz a. So that's when they say you don't know how you'll fight, um, vietz a. And when you translate that, it's more like to become aware of, like so, like to see. You, I can't see how you're going to fight. Is you know, sort of like I don't know how you're going to fight. Um, it's sort of like a close to the root for the word view. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, fun language things I, I enjoy. Awesome. And I'm glad that you bring that um, that aspect to our podcast because I don't. <laughs> you don't want to go dig all dig through all of that. <laughs> I mean, I, I obviously failed at learning German because uh, I haven't done that in like a month or so. So I need to get back into it. But like Old Norse is like another, like a whole nother thing that I'm not even willing to think about right now. But I don't speak that many languages well, but I really like when I learn a little bit of Greek, a little bit of um, Latin, that you see all the roots, the common roots between languages, right? So you see something like a Vietz, and there's a word vizier that actually I remember that from Diablo 2. It was the, uh, so I think it was like a, uh, Middle Eastern or uh, Egyptian kind of term. The, the viziers are the seers, the the men who are see uh, the future for the kings. And then you see that word show up here in Old Norse, kind of. It's got the same root, at least. Yeah. We're just weird connections to make it. Yeah. Awesome. So this is uh, this is when somebody named Big Veer shows up. So he steps in and then states that if he were noble like Frey, which clearly he's not, he would beat up Loki for his words. And uh, I think this is your note. Oh, that, I guess the way I, the, the quote was, uh, if I had the lineage of Freyr, I'd have ground that hateful crow and mangled all his limbs into pieces. So Bigger is like, I'm going to grind you into pieces. Yeah. Nice. And the, the word uh, Big Veer means barley. So he's the personification of barley grain and that he's a friend of Freyr, who's the fertility god. So Freyr brings, makes the crops uh, fruitful and multiply. And the joke that Loki kind of says later is that um, Big Veer or Barley can be crushed between two millstones. Uh, he says, uh, what is this little creature wagging his tail? You, have, you are often found at Freyr's ear or twittering under the grindstone. So that maybe Freyr wears a little sprig of barley in his ear as a little uh, decoration. That I think is uh, what they're saying here. Yeah. I, I didn't know if you were going um, in the direction of Frey being an alcoholic, but... Well, that comes in, yeah, the barley and making beer comes in later, yeah. too. So some real play on words here. I noticed at first you were like, yeah, who's this guy, Big Veer, and what's he you know, talking about, right? But uh, it was only, yeah, Larrington translated that as barley, and I'm like, oh, that's that's interesting, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So then Loki then speaks for all of us, and myself included, maybe not David, and says pretty much says, who the fuck is this? He then states that he is nothing but a servant, probably a Frey, as David just mentions. Note that it's not Skirnis, who we are going to discuss also in that episode uh, for Skirnis. So Bigvir then states that the gods and men at least state that he is brave and that the gods are very much enjoying their beer. And right. so that back. Yeah. He's like, he's like, you don't know who I am. I'm the reason all the gods are enjoying their beer. I'm barley. <laughs> I didn't know Big Bear was barley. So it, may, it makes so much sense now. Um, but this also shows that he like is a servant at the party because obviously there's beer flowing. And keep in mind that Loki also killed a servant earlier. So I wonder like if Big Veer, considering considering himself brave and 
stating that the gods say that he is brave is because he is standing up to Loki, who would kill him, you know, in an instant if he felt like it. So, I think that's um, why Loki could kill him very easily, whether we're taking him as barley or personified, you know, a personified uh, deity. Yeah, and Loki probably wouldn't do it, or excuse me, Odin probably would not do anything about it because they are blood brothers and they didn't do anything about him killing Fimafang um, outside of kicking him out of the party. But I'm so, what, Lo- uh, yeah, that earlier guy, what his name means. It wasn't in Larrington's, but I wonder if it means something significant. Yeah, yeah they, I think the two servants that were servants that were named in part one were Fimafang and Elder, and so Loki killed Fimafang and then tried to get in back into the party by speaking to Elder, and Elder just kind of like let him in at that point, but. Um, it's something that we can definitely look at. So Loki then questions Big Veer's ability to serve food to his guests and then states that he isn't brave, but he's actually craven. That that idea, right, that he's a servant and it's like you're a servant, but you're not good at serving food. Also that he's barley and not good at feeding people. But there was an interesting thing in one of the translations. So that, yeah, the, in, so I think this was Larrington's that said, be silent, Big Veer. You could never share out food among men. But in the old translation, it said, be silent, Big Veer. You could never set the shares of meat for men. So to say that the grain's not as good as meat, if you translate the word that way, is, I think, a pretty neat yeah, kind of play on words there, right? That the yeah. old translation had, but the newer ones didn't support it. I don't really know. And, and then as they're saying that he's a craven, that it's in the bench straw, they can never find you when the men are going to fight or hidden in the straw on the floor, they found thee not when heroes were fain to fight. So I'm wondering if that's either just like that there's, you know, straw on the floor of their, um, you know, if they had dirt floors, but then they spread straw. So you're not just walking around in mud while you're mm-hmm. at the feasting hall and that he's barley. He looks kind of like some of the straw grains. You know, you're just hiding in the straw rather than uh, going out to fight. Whenever we're looking for a good fighter here, they're hiding in the straw, but, uh, I was trying to dig uh, in the Old Norse for something interesting, but the Old Norse is very hard there. It doesn't translate into modern. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This is, it's just like funny to me, like how like a lot of the gods will be like the personification of something and like yeah. Thor's mother is the earth, but Big Veer is barley. Yeah, right. And that I don't know what this means that they, it's a really long argument between Loki and barley, right? Like he has like one line, you know, there's one stanza for Freyr. Some, some of the gods get two stanzas, but this servant named barley gets two whole stanzas and just i remember this one funny thing um i'm gonna have to re-record a version of my uh my musical version of Havamal, the earth strength yeah. but that because because i tried to record that and I kind of memorized a lot of it it came to my mind that it says uh use corn against which against witchcraft and when they use the word corn they mean barley use corn against witchcraft for hatred invoke the moon uh for earth, you know the earth strength against drunkenness as the land drinks up a flood so that if you, whatever earth strength is, that's what helps you from getting too drunk. Just the way uh, the earth soaks up all the rain or the flood, but to use corn against witchcraft, that maybe that is a uh, Loki's mortal enemy is a uh, barley corn. Yeah, and I guess if, if a witch is drunk or too much barley, then maybe she couldn't do her spells correctly. Or if you get drunk <laughs> then they can't, uh, I don't know. I feel like you'd be more vulnerable to a spell. But yeah, so there's something about the magic here I'm missing, but hopefully someone can explain it to me. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do, well, I'll do a test. I'll drink moderate, uh, a large consumption or large amount of beer 
over the next week and talk to witches and see what they say. Maybe maybe it's un before you brew it, just to have that barley somehow that's going to, like garlic and vampires, but I don't know. We have a lot to wrap our head around, David. Yeah, but that, that Loki's a magician or a witch, basically. And, yeah. Uh, he doesn't like barley. Barley thinks he can pick a fight with him, right? So there we go. <laughs> on that note, on barley, I think that's I think that stands a forty six, David. I think that's it. Yeah, the, my, my, I don't have too much interpretation for this week. We'll, we'll do more as we wrap it up. But that uh, that the gods look very human here, right? That they, you said before, mm-hmm. the gods are very human and they're all kind of pieces of crap, right? And I'm like that. That's what this part two shows. I think. Well, it's yeah, and like I think I think what we what we see in the entire poem is like Loki obviously knows the gods look down on him. And like you see this through all the episodes, like he, he was a troublemaker um, at first and the gods got pissed off at him for that. But then the gods did some pretty shitty stuff to him. And then he responded, like not saying it's justified that he killed Boulder, but like he responded and they, they're all kind of like being pieces of shit to each other, like Loki to the Aesir and the Aesir to Loki. And he's calling them out on that. He's like saying, well, you're, you're making fun of me because I transform into a woman horse. Like yeah. you, this is what you're doing. And right. like he called Odin out for being like, um, for being like into witchcraft or something or like in a pervert last week. And like Odin called him out for the same thing. And he's definitely calling well, the gods all those, out on their bullshit. All those heroes in, um, what's, what's the name of the hall in, uh, in Valhalla where all the, uh, all the warriors stay. I thought it was, I think the hall is Valhalla. It's the Valhalla. Oh, um, the Einarhar, that's the name, that's the name of the, all the, all the soldiers, right? Yeah. 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 There are all these manly soldiers and Odin's kind of their leader, but they probably wouldn't think much of his witchcraft, right? If he asked any one of those Vikings, right? What they think of a man who does witchcraft, right? And so it's, I like that you kind of keep bringing up these parts of like how Loki is mistreated because the way these myths are usually kind of told at a surface level is like, Loki's this bad guy and he does all these awful things and he's, you know, kills Balder, right? And, and things like that. But it's like, Loki looks bad, but he doesn't look any worse than the rest of the gods, right? The things mm-hmm. they do. And then some of their things are much less kind of justified or for any real reason. Um, so I, I like that. Even I'm thinking just with Freyr, right? That he's, you know, he's the lover and he leaves no, you know, no woman or um, man's wife unhappy. And it's like, Freyr, don't, don't you have, didn't you have to pay a woman? To <laughs> do it? And it's like, yeah, they're, you know, none of them are as good as they want to, to be they all have a dark side right so i think that's uh, another theme we're always coming back to yeah, yeah definitely yeah. anyways i think that's good i got some real exciting ideas for uh locus and part three but i think we leave it there yeah no well uh, i'll be excited to discuss that it's going to be stanzas of uh, 47 through 65 and then the prose ending and then after that we're going to get into the stories about how loki was captured all right or the gods Sounds went after great. loki and he was captured yeah have a great have a great evening. Have a great rest of your weekend. Yeah, you as well. Thank you, David. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Between Two Ravens. If you've been enjoying our show, please write a five-star review on iTunes to help spread our podcast to a wider audience. See the show notes below for links to follow us on social media. Our podcast is part of the Walled Garden Podcast Network. The Walled Garden Philosophical Society is committed to the pursuit of truth, wisdom, virtue, and the divine, wherever it might be found. Visit thewalledgarden.com to learn more.